and welcome to the third podcast of highlights from day one of ULA 2022. My name is Laura Coates and in this podcast I would like to review what I felt were some of the key sessions and papers of interest from the CSF perspective relating specifically to axial spondyloarthritis. There were some terrific sessions today covering a wide range of topics and data. As such, as I go through the sessions and posters I've highlighted for you, I'll also mention others that you may find of interest. I hope you find this podcast both interesting and informative. We now have a wealth of data on axial spondyloarthritis and new treatments emerging. And it's great to see new and exciting data, including on new therapeutic options coming through. As such, we obviously couldn't skip mentioning the new asas ular recommendations for the management of axial spondyloarthritis. They've been presented here on day one of the ULAR 22 Congress, and we'll be able to see the update of treatment for axial spondyloarthritis, new and upcoming therapies, and key research questions that need to be addressed in this area. There was an abundance of data presented during the AXPAR drug treatment, new and old drugs session at ULAR today. I've selected six sessions of interest that focus on data for therapies already approved in AXPAR, as well as some of the newer therapies in this area. Vandenbosch and colleagues provide results from the SELECT AXIS-2 study, looking at the efficacy and safety of upadacitinib in patients with active non-radiographic AXPAR. Landaway et al. and Navora Compan et al. both present data from the Ixikizumab Coast studies. Deodar et al. looked at the difference in clinical response with secukinumab 300 milligrams versus 150 milligrams in patients with AS who failed to achieve ASTAS inactive disease status on the 150 milligram dose at week 16. And my final highlights of today focus on data from Baraliakos et al. and Van der Heide et al. who look at the potential use of bimikizumab in AS. I'll now take you through each of those abstracts in a little more detail. So looking at the data from the upadacitinib trial in active non-radiographic AXPAR, this study looked at a primary endpoint of ASAS40 at week 14 and showed a significantly higher response rate with upadacitinib compared to placebo. And the proportion of patients who had experienced a treatment emergent adverse event was similar between the different treatment groups. So they've concluded that upadacitinib 15 milligrams daily demonstrated significantly greater improvements in the ASAS40, but also in pain, function, quality of life, and objectively with MRI-detected sacroiliac joint inflammation compared to placebo after 14 weeks treatment. Looking at recapture rates with ixikizumab, this is data from the COAST study, where patients had a randomized placebo-controlled withdrawal study. So these patients were on treatment, met the criteria for emission, and were then randomized either to switch to placebo or to continue on ixikizumab. Perhaps unsurprisingly, those patients who were continuously treated with ixikizumab were less likely to experience flares compared to patients who withdrew their ixikizumab and were switched to placebo. But the positive news was that the vast majority of patients withdrawn from ixikizumab 
recaptured at least a low disease activity state, and over half met the inactive disease state with ixikizumab retreatment. In further analysis of the COAST trials, the authors looked at the outcomes across a number of different COAST studies, all looking at the efficacy of ixikizumab, but in patients with both radiographic and non-radiographic AXPAR. The patients were all randomized to receive 80 milligrams ixikizumab every two or four weeks, and this was compared to a placebo group. Overall, the efficacy response to therapy with ixikizumab was seen both in the radiographic and the non-radiographic groups, and in those who had a disease duration of less than five years, and those who had a disease duration of over five years. But it did appear, perhaps in keeping with other studies, that there was a more robust response to treatment in patients who had a less than five-year disease duration. So it appears that treating earlier may give a better outcome. Then the Sekikinumab study. So this study took patients who'd been treated with 150 milligrams of Sekikinumab through to week 16. And then patients who'd failed to achieve an ASTAS inactive disease status were randomized then either to continue at the 150 milligram dose or to increase the dose up to 300 milligrams. So this is looking at trying to personalize dose depending on response. And interestingly, those patients who didn't respond initially to the 150 milligram dose actually showed a similar clinical response and similar safety data, whether or not they continued the secukinumab or escalated up to the 300 milligram dose. So this suggests that dose escalation in patients not achieving a response at 150 milligram may not improve outcome. Then moving on to bimikizumab, this drug is a dual inhibitor of IL-17A and IL-17F, and we've seen a number of studies with this drug in the spondyloarthritis space. So this study looked at bimikizumab versus placebo in patients with active non-radiographic AXPAR over a 24-week period. And patients were randomized to receive placebo or bimikizumab 160 milligrams every four weeks. Perhaps unsurprisingly, as we've seen good efficacy of this drug in other conditions, using bimikizumab in the active non-radiographic AXPAR group resulted in a rapid clinically relevant improvement in efficacy outcomes with no new safety signals observed. So the primary outcome was ASAS 40, which was met by 48% in the bimikizumab group compared to 21% in placebo. And then a second study in bimikizumab, this is looking rather than in non-radiographic disease, but those with ankylosing spondylitis. And again, this was consistent with efficacy data with bimikizumab, an ASAS 40 response of 45% on drug versus 23% of those treated with placebo. And again, no new safety signals observed. So it seems like we now have strong data for bimikizumab, both in the non-radiographic and radiographic AXPAR populations. In addition to the abstracts I've just highlighted, the new and old drugs for AXPAR session today also included two more abstracts of interest. Croft et al. presented data on the comparison of the effect of treatment with NSAIDs 
added to anti-TNF therapy versus anti-TNFs alone on progression of structural damage in the spine. And Hellemand et al. looked at sex differences in effectiveness of first-line TNF inhibitors in axial spa, providing results from 15 countries across the Eurospa Research Collaboration Network, highlighting that recognising these sex differences is of relevance for customised patient care and potentially even for patient education. In addition to the abstracts in that oral session, I've selected five posters from PosterView 6 session, which I believe hold interesting data in AXPAR. Theodar et al. provides safety and efficacy data of Ixikismab in axial spondyloarthritis patients with three-year clinical trial results from the COAST programme. Romero et al. highlight results from the COAST-V programme looking at PROs at weeks 16 and 52 in the Ixikizumab-treated patients with radiographic AXPAR, and that showed a clinically important reduction in pain at night. Pavelka et al. show that secukinumab provides rapid and sustained relief from key clinical symptoms of active AS patients in those who are TNF naive over the Measure 2 study. And Sidarius et al. establishes no change in serum levels of bone mark turnover markers corrected for age and gender over the first year of secukinumab treatment. Navarro Compen et al. looks at the maintenance of response to bimikizumab over three years of treatment in patients with active ankylosing spondylitis. So this is longer term data from previous studies and the open label extension at the end of the phase two programme. So it's been great to see so much relevant AXPAR cytokine signaling content today at EULA. I hope you've enjoyed this roundup of highlights. If you haven't already, please join me for a roundup of today's RA and PSA data in the separate podcasts. You can also download our EULA 2022 highlights brochure from cytokinesignaling.com to see the abstracts that we've selected for you for the whole of the Congress. All that remains for me is to say thank you for joining me today and please join me tomorrow for the highlights of day two at EULA 2022. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.